0: in helping Sarah and I continue to devote our time to this passion. Whether you check out these companies or not, I just want to say thanks again and reiterate how grateful Sarah and I both are for all of the support over the years. I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Les Raymond, and I have Sarah again with me today.
2: I'm excited to be here. Thanks for introducing me. Thanks for hanging
0: <laughs> out with me today, Sarah.
2: Always enjoy our time
0: together. Always means a lot. Uh, I think being people that are together through marriage and friendship and lovership, working together also has always presented challenges, and also it provides some really nice things where we get to spend time together in a way that many couples don't get to experience.
2: I don't know what you mean. It's all just smooth sailing, right? (laughs) Yeah,
0: right. We had mentioned recently that we were going to do more of these. And I guess today we were going to talk a little bit about maybe how one of the upcoming events or offerings that the Mindful Movement has might be relevant for some of our listeners or of interest. And maybe we could share some ideas, some concepts that lead to what we feel is like the usefulness of these workshops and see if that alone could maybe help somebody look at something in their life they need more. Sure. Or maybe inspire them to join the workshop. So that being said, there's a workshop on the horizon?
2: There is. So maybe just some of the details so that we have that out of the way. This workshop is designed to help build unshakable self-worth. So whatever that means to you, building more, uh, embodying more self-worth for your for yourself. I guess that's redundant. Uh, So anyhow, the workshop will take place live on November 2nd, which is a Wednesday, and it is from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. However, it will be recorded and created or turned into a, a mini course. So anyone who attends live gets a couple bonus recordings, and they get access to the mini course, and then After the workshop is complete, we will offer it as a self-paced or self-led course that you can do on your own. Great. Those are all the details, I believe. Anything I miss?
0: Uh, I'm curious. I don't do a lot of these things online. What does that look like for the listener as far as is that like everybody's in a room and they see you talking about a thing. Is there interaction? Is there room for questions?
2: Absolutely. Good good question. So the workshop is designed as a webinar. So I am presenting and it's not like a regular Zoom meeting where you might see the rest of the participants. It's really just going to be me and my screen initially. Uh, there will be a chat that's available for interaction and a question and answer uh, forum, I guess. And so if you if you put questions into the question and answer, we'll have time at the end to go through those. And in that case, I might invite some of our Uh, participants to either come on as audio or video depending on what they would like to do to share their question and share their experience, maybe receive a very abbreviated bit of coaching during that time as well. Um, It it is interactive though, so there will be uh, activities or mm, exercises to do to help make the experience your own. So you'll start to dig in or uncover some um, behaviors or safety strategies that you may have developed personally from your experience that are leading to the behaviors that might be because of the lack of self-worth. And then we'll go through a process of letting some things go and calling in new beliefs, new qualities so that it really is tailored to each person even though it's a cohesive group setting Hmm.
0: that sounds nice thanks for that detailed explanation (laughs)
2: did i give you too much information
0: (laughs) no it's great um i think working on self-worth is super important absolutely you know it makes me want to almost push back against your Marketing-y name of it, marketing-ish of unshakable. Like, is that even a real thing? Like, isn't it something we just kind of have to work on forever and you just chip away and make progress? And some of those, like, some of that progress might be like big turning points and some might be small pivots.
2: Yes. Well, I'll push back against your pushback a little bit and say oh, that. Oh, so you want to fight me? <laughs> just like life, like you said, it's, it's a journey, right? That's what life is. It's the moments that make up life that is life. And we do want to have a destination that we're reaching towards, moving towards, or how do you know if you're going in the direction that you want to go? So the same is true for unshakable self-worth. if that's the intention, the inner game. We need our outer game to match up or to be leading us in the direction of.
0: Okay. It makes me think of when uh, recently you were telling me what was on the calendar and you were talking about this (laughs) workshop. Yes. Uh, I'm sure you remember. And you had asked me a question. It was one of those weird conversations where one of us is in the bathroom. (laughs) And the other is in the bathroom, but taking a shower and there's clear glass. And it's like, you're talking as if it's a weird conversation when someone's in the shower and someone's not. We always have interesting conversations. So... You asked something along the lines of, like, what do you think we should do for the workshop? Or, like, what do you the think we should talk like, about?
2: for this conversation. For this conversation. What I was now asking. Now we decided
0: to be more regular with these little mini-podcasts with you and sure. I.
2: Like, what would be helpful for the audience around the topic of self-worth?
0: Right. And I remember, and uh, recently, I've been sharing a lot about myself. And you even commented, like, your appreciation for my willingness to tap into vulnerability mm-hmm. and share.
2: And there's been a lot of really great feedback from the audience saying sure. that they're gaining value from that share as well. There's,
0: they're gaining value, which uh, makes me feel, you know, it's very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Also, I find it very nourishing for myself. Like, I gain the real value because I'm the one getting things that are maybe inside, stuck, circulating, that need to flow outward getting out so i found it funny that like you're asking me this and it's like it ain't my idea to do a workshop on the like this is your part of your baby so uh i was like you're looking for me i was like what do you think what do you need to hear or i tried to put it back on you and your face you know you get getting that like like shut up, I want to talk to you, or, like, this conversation's <laughs> over as soon as it turns back oh, on you. Oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah, my response was, why can't we just talk about your stuff? Like, <laughs> you're, you're obviously more comfortable sharing than I am, and vulnerability is essentially what I think feel like you are very good at right now. And it's not necessarily my uh, biggest strength at the moment. You
0: haven't been flexing that muscle lately as I have been.
2: Correct. And so my response of resistance or avoidance even was a really good teacher for me. Right? What do I, what, what am I hiding? What do I feel is not, safe to share. And like even as I'm talking about it, I'm aware of a physiological response of my nervous system starting to kick up a little bit and um, what you might call like nervous. Like, well, what am I gonna talk about now that I feel safe talking
0: about? Well, let me make some space. I'll give you some options. Mm if there's something that you would like to talk about for you, you can go ahead. And if not, um, no pressure, but if not, you can maybe give an example or you could do both of these ideas of something that's relatively common that you see with your coaching clients or in life in general, that will resonate with a good amount of people like how where when we don't flex the muscle of self-worth or whatever we're clear of the interference that's blocking us from achieving more that how like how it shows up and maybe even an example that wouldn't be so obvious that you see sure. that people might not think that oh, if you chase that back into your history where that comes from like, oh, yeah, it comes from the same place. It's yeah. just we wouldn't necessarily think of it that way. Maybe there's a couple examples you could share or one of yourself.
2: Well, I would be willing to do uh, a little bit of both. And thank you for giving me the space and uh, and the option. Uh, so that example that you shared of our conversation recently, I would start there. So I think that when we have a, quote, triggering response or meaning when the reaction doesn't really match the actual circumstance, that's an invitation to really start to look inward a little more, like dig a little deeper, uncover like what's really going on that's causing me to react this way that doesn't really match the circumstance. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So like I got, anxious. I got avoided. I got a little bit nervous and wanted to just flee the conversation, which doesn't match the circumstance because it's, you know, my husband of 19 years, someone I feel very safe with and very, uh, uh, loved and appreciated. And so when I had that response, you know, the first step is just recognizing that, that response is bigger than the circumstance. And then the next step would be to really start to get curious with compassion, without judgment, right? I think our instinct is to judge like, Oh, why am I doing this? Something's wrong with me. Um, you know, judgment, right? I don't want to be like this. And when, you know, when I can let that go, the inner critic, the inner judge, when I can let that just step aside for a moment and say, you know, what is this response about? For me, being seen, being vulnerable is a challenge. And I think that, like you said, going back to childhood, my younger brother was, he didn't have like, significant illness but he had some illness he had some things that were you know with his health were challenges and it took up a lot of my mom in particular my mom's attention and she would worry and she would like you know always be wondering you know how she could help him is she doing enough and and I think that there wasn't a lot of space for me to have my own Issues, right? I had to uh, be small in a way, or be good. I was always the good one, you know. We have so if you
0: had something going, not something in your life or your mind that you felt wouldn't be easy for your mom or your parents to deal with because of what was on their plate. Like it wasn't your place to talk about yourself,
2: right? Exactly. So the safety strategy that I developed was just to not have my own problems or not have my own needs that I would share Mm. and
0: so that is probably (laughs) in itself pretty common like
2: oh yeah yeah absolutely and especially
0: just the math the bigger your family is (laughs) more likely one of them is sick
2: right or or, deals or, with, or has or, some kind
0: of increased need
2: exactly it doesn't have to necessarily be an illness it could just be that some sibling has a bigger personality and it, uh, like they're outshining other par- other children in the or family or like a more
0: demanding schedule like if they play a sport that requires right. them to be somewhere five or six times a week it's like it just takes up so much Calendar attention.
2: Right. Or if one of the siblings gets in trouble a lot more than the other. It's like, okay, well, I need to be good so uh, so that I don't put any more strain on my parents. And, you know, I'm describing it as like a, a discomfort in being seen, a discomfort in being vulnerable and really uh, speaking my needs and and my desires where someone else might just become like a people pleaser right like if i were to always be managing the feelings and the states of my parents or one parent then the behavior that i might adopt is to always manage other people's feelings and so mine don't, my feelings, my needs don't matter, but I'm going to always be predicting how you're going to receive what I say and say it in a way that I think won't hurt you, mm. even at the expense of my own needs.
0: And how does that relate to the concepts of like worthiness, self-worth? Mm.
2: Well, in my belief... We are all born with self-worth. We're all like perfect whole individuals. And in, in my belief, my philosophy is that just because we are human, we are worthy. But things happen just like, you know, what I described with my, my family. And that's not even like a a big thing, right? right? Like that's a small thing. If I were to compare my quote trauma to someone else's trauma, it's a small thing, but it still impacts children because, and I think I've shared this a number of times, but as a child, we don't have the part of our brain that is logical, fully developed. So we're, experiencing life without that.
0: But how does that lower like in your case or in a case where a parent's attention just has to be on uh, another, a sibling or maybe their work schedule or whatever, um, how is that behavior of, well, I need to make myself small or I need to not share things about myself. Does that behavior lead to the lowering of your self-worth or does the events that lead to that behavior already kind of knock your self-worth down and because of that lower self-worth, it leads to that behavior?
2: You're asking like chicken or the egg?
0: I guess. (laughs) Like what... Why, does that lo- like, why is that something that someone has to work on their self-worth just because they created a pattern of people-pleasing or not being vulnerable and sharing about themselves because they thought the people yeah. in your life didn't have time or space for that?
2: I think I'm understanding your, qu- your question. Uh, so we, these behaviors that we're talking about, I would consider safety strategies. So at five years old, I didn't feel safe to share. And I'm generalizing a little. This isn't necessarily directly about me, although I would relate to it. I would, um, I felt unsafe sharing my needs, my desires, my beliefs, speaking up for myself. And therefore, I tried something to feel safe. And so for me, it was I I tried to be small. I tried to be the good one and it worked. It made me feel safe. And so I kept doing it. And like water erodes a rock, I made a groove of this pattern in my subconscious. And that groove is very deep because you know it, 40 something. I've been doing this a long time. Right? So in order for me to change that behavior, I need to find a new way to feel safe. And it's like my my nervous system, my my nervous system knows that and it's familiar and it's comfortable and safe and I need to teach my nervous system and teach my subconscious that there's another way that I can feel safe.
0: And is that where the self-worth comes in play? Like if you work on you connecting back to your, your inherent worthiness that you're born with just from being on the planet, that safety emerges from that?
2: right like if you were to say if i can if i can make you feel comfortable and you happy then i'll be safe that that's my pattern it's the if this exterior thing then my interior feels safe and worthy right it's mm. if then if this then that so
0: you you connect your worthiness of existence to your ability to please the others or...
2: Right. So I talk a lot about this outside-in approach, right? This this is describing an outside-in approach,
0: gotcha.
2: right? Someone else might have the, the if then, uh, if I have this fancy car, then I'm a success. Or if I have this certain level of, Uh, financial security, then I'm safe, right? And I'm just, just, this is more of like a, it's less tangible, less measurable, when it's like, if I can make you happy, then I'm good enough. So we would need to switch from the outside-in approach to the inside-out approach, meaning I'm already worthy and enough as I am, So it's safe for me to speak up my needs. Hmm. So when you asked, you know, what are some of the not-so-common examples of how a lack of self-worth might show up...
0: Or maybe not so uncommon, but like um,
2: not so... Like you don't connect the dots. Yeah, like maybe something
0: that's not so obvious.
2: So a lot of what we as humans... Might assume our just our personalities are safety strategies. For example, someone might say, Well, it's just who I am, I'm a workaholic.
0: Mm. So they have like a story,
2: <laughs> right? But
0: it really just means you've been using work to cope for other things, or
2: correct, or find your worth.
0: Or, like, I'm not a morning person, I can't get to the gym early. When really, it's right. like you. Uh, whatever it is, like, what are you afraid of by getting up and like being forced to be productive? Right.
2: Well, I think that we put unconscious limitations on ourselves because of these stories, because of these safety strategies. So we're not willing to do the work or be the type of person that does the work to get to that goal that, that, outcome that you really desire like when you described the I'm not a morning person well you're not prioritizing waking up early in the morning to go to the gym you're prioritizing something else because that's what you're willing to accept for yourself
0: yeah I remember in the in the gym environment when we'd be looking at someone's like as a when I'd be coaching someone and looking at their schedule, like in the beginning, it's always, you're trying to get to know someone's like, how do you compose the minutes of your day? What are we working with here? Like, And um, what's the current canvas look like? And what mm. do we want to paint? Sure. And that's something I would hear a lot. Like, well, I can't, I'm not a morning person. And they would say like, this is a genetic defect. Right. Like I got the, <laughs> the dumb gene, you know the variant that makes you not a morning person and i always be like i think that just means you don't practice waking up early like <laughs> right. i don't think not being a morning is a real thing right it's just you know you, you're practicing this thing and then you're labeling it like that's who you are right telling a story
2: yeah and there's a really great book uh, that talks about this upper limit or the the limitations that we place on ourselves unconsciously it's called the big leap by Gay Hendrix, I believe. I can put a link in the description for that. Uh, but he talks a lot about how we unconsciously put limitations on ourselves. We're only willing to accept a certain amount of good in our life because that's what we believe we deserve. And, you know, if one aspect of your life starts to improve and get better, you might unconsciously sabotage another another aspect of your life because that's how much good you're you're worthy of it's an interesting concept that you know when you dig a little deeper into your own patterns your own experience in life you might be able to recognize where you might be putting those limitations on yourself
0: self worth it's an interesting um, thing to explore It's like on some level you're always gonna be limited by your self worth like it's hard it's gonna be hard to truly care about something or someone more than you care about yourself no matter how you dress up your behaviors to that other thing to make you believe that you do or Like, you could be really nice to someone, but on some level, if you're not really happy with yourself and don't really like yourself, like, how, how true are you to the actions of niceness to that person? Like, can you, can you sell what you don't own? Like, if you don't like yourself, Mm. when you don't feel worthy, how how authentic is your offering to someone else? Or is that offering hmm. a, a, a strategy to hide almost how you really feel about yourself?
2: Sure. I mean, I think it could be a strategy to hide how you really feel about yourself, or it could be a strategy to, to make someone else feel better about themselves because you don't feel good about yourself. Right, it's like projection.
0: So, what if somebody, like, I think of some things I've gone through, and I know some other people in my life that are juggling, I think, similar things, whether they're working on them or like shining a light on them or not, but like, you've done something you regret. Um, you know, I think the way relationships through families could deteriorate over decades. Could lead people at some point to look back and kind of wish they did something different like wish they could have a do-over mm-hmm. or whatever somebody might feel like uh embarrassed or shame, like some really common like low frequency emotions sure. and feelings that could uh be associated with a lot of suffering mm-hmm. Like, what if somebody's done something they don't feel is like, hmm, not that it's not, well, maybe, like, it's not forgivable, or they just, like, hate themselves so much for that. How does, without being able to go back and change what you did, how does, like, flexing this muscle, or meaning, like, the practice of cultivating or building or developing self-worth aid in someone's like journey forward sure. when they're dealing with something that feels very like dark inside, especially when you like these, I mean, shame, I think is the big one. Like shame is like that the scum of the earth when it comes to feelings yeah. that like will hold people absolutely down and you, it's going to be, and it's really hard to connect the idea that you are inherently worthy just for being here, no matter what previous behaviors or actions or events or accidents. Like I think of someone that is young and has a car accident and Mm -hmm. they were at the wheel and they lost a loved one Mm. or they were responsible, but it was an accident. Right. And like, you look at the mental health of those people down the road and how many unfortunately will wind up maybe taking their own life Mm. or live just a life of suffering because of something that they didn't even mean to do. And Like when someone has something very, very dark in their past. So
2: that's a lot. What was the question? like how do you, you can't with without them?
0: going be so if you had if you can't go back and change what you did yeah how does like going to a workshop and deciding mm-hmm. oh, i need to spend like a few weeks on this or i need okay. to look at myself and how i feel about myself like mm-hmm. how does that help somebody get from a to at least from closer the shame to b yeah
2: to the release of the shame and feeling worthy yeah okay Thank you for articulating that. Yeah, maybe
0: that was just way too many. You, you gave a couple words.
2: examples, and I think the big one is a really big example, right? But if we if we decrease the intensity of that example a little bit and make the shame a little smaller, just so that it's more easily understood, because you went to a really big extreme of with this a young person having an accident and and so forth. So let's like dial that back a little bit and say a 15-year-old fails an exam.
0: That's a big dial back.
2: It is a big dial back. And the reason (laughs) I'm doing that is because it's easier to see the the philosophy or the... Okay, go on. Right, the work that needs to be done. So 15-year-old fails an exam and their parents, you know, make them feel bad about it. They feel bad about it. Their inner critic, you know, bubbles to the surface and it's like you're never going to get into college. You're a horrible person. Friends probably should you know, not even be your friends. And they go down the shame spiral, hide the fact that they failed this exam, which is what shame does, right? It causes you to hide. And fast forward 10 years later, and that same person is still remembering that moment where they failed that exam and they felt like it changed the trajectory of their entire, you know, life as an adult. So, you can't obviously go back and change it, just like you said, but you can look at it from the perspective that we're all human and we make mistakes. And if you had a friend who went through the same thing you did, you wouldn't have the same amount of criticism and judgment for that person, you would probably have compassion for them.
0: Right. That's such a good question to pose yourself. Like anytime there's, you're going through something like, well, and maybe you're in the aspect of like, uh, sharing or complaining about it or whatever, and just posing the question of like, well, what would you tell a friend who's going through that same thing? Right. Like, are you willing to treat yourself as well as you seem to be willing to treat a friend?
2: Right. And so then you can look at it like, well, what what lessons did I learn from that experience, that, quote, failure? And maybe that, you know, person went on to work really hard and be very, you know, what we might label as successful, do really well in their career well in college, do you know, whatever it is that they did. But having had that hardship, that challenge gave them some gifts. It may have caused their inner critic to ramp up, but it also gave them some gifts. They, you know, they decided never again, were they going to fail and therefore they kept working really hard. So looking back at that event, Being willing to bring whatever you're hiding into the light, to to share, to be willing to be open about it is part of what heals shame. And then the other part about the self-worth is really just recognizing that you're a human and you make mistakes. Just
0: part of the human experience. Exactly.
2: We can learn from those mistakes or we can allow them to cause more suffering
0: it's funny i saw somebody i look up to a lot probably my favorite podcaster posted something recently on twitter and it was like uh i'm gonna botch it but it was something along the lines of life is full of like love and suffering and like ultimately i think love wins and i'm thinking or love and pain or something like that love and suffering maybe and i'm thinking i don't think it works that way like i don't think you could really have one without the other Mm. Like, I don't know if one can win, ultimately. I right. think without the suffering, do we really know love? Mm. Will, could you really know it if you don't know what it's not?
2: Right. Yeah, a lot of people will come to me and say that their main priority is just to be happy all the time. And, you know, I think happiness as a goal is... It's like a losing battle because it's an impossibility in a way to be happy all the time. It's another thing to look for contentment. And that's what I would encourage because we can be content and still have pain. We can be content and have happiness.
0: Right. But happiness could also just be based on your perspective, which is something you could flex. like. You could strengthen that muscle of seeing things and being happy.
2: Right. We are...
0: Like, we could be... The example I have used in the past, we could be in line for, like, pizza at what's known to be, like, the greatest pizza (laughs) in the world. And if the line's, like, 100 people deep, we could be in the same scenario... And I could be like, I can't believe how long this line is. This is going to take forever. And right. you could be like, I'm so excited to have this pizza. Right. This is going to be the best. And we're in the same exact experience, same right. situation.
2: The difference of I have to do this or I get to do this right. is a really big shift.
0: Yeah, shift in energy from those words. Yeah. Um. This is great. So you, you know, you've been doing a lot of one-on-one lately. You've really been in the zone of doing the one-on-one <laughs> coaching and... I guess I would ask, like, how, maybe not on, like, a percentage of your clients, but, like, how common is the thing that you're really digging through at the heart of it is this. It's, like, this, um, this sense of, like, not having that inherent self-worth that you believe we are just have because we're here.
2: Uh... I would say the vast majority. We might call it n- not being enough. We might call it a lack of self-worth. We might call it unlovable, unworthy. It's all, all the same. The same. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah.
0: So if somebody wants to dive in more and let's say they're not ready for a one-on-one or maybe they see that something in the future if needed or... And the workshop is like a nice, a little bit more than dipping your toe in, maybe, uh, experience. Mm -hmm. If they're interested in the workshop, is there anything that you recommend to be considering like or thinking about, like uh, reflecting on going into it to maybe give someone a chance to get the most value out of that uh, experience? That's a good
2: question. I would start with some of the like labels that we give ourselves like I mentioned a workaholic or and even going back to childhood you know I think we we often will take take specific roles on in our family so I would start there what was your role in the family what was uh what was the label that you may have been given or given yourself, hmm. that's a good place to start. Um, some of the things, the patterns that we might have that are what we would label as part of our personality, those are, that's another good place to start. Just awareness, curiosity. What's the
0: narrative in the mind about yourself?
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's a great place to begin. And a lot of that that uncovering that exploration can happen prior to the workshop or if you know somebody doesn't want to do the workshop that's a good place to start you know like we all have to start somewhere
0: right well this has been nice it's been good to chat with you about this absolutely i'm excited for another one of these workshops opportunities to connect with the community give people to feel like a chance to feel like Whatever they're going through, they're not as alone as they pro- they're not as alone as they might think they are or feel that they are.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I am looking forward to in the future. Uh, you know, after this workshop, I'm hoping to do four to six a year on various topics that I think would be useful for the audience. So um, that's exciting to me. I love. And when
0: again is the upcoming workshop?
2: It's coming up on November second. However you know, if you're watching this after that date, you'll still be able to access it as a recorded version of the workshop.
0: And they can get that right from the website and there'll be a, we'll put a link somewhere here. Correct. Anything else you want to share before we go?
2: No, I'm just grateful for you. I'm grateful for the community and this uh, experience.
0: Yeah. Thanks everybody. This is really nice and it's very nurturing for us to feel that uh, you're out there and appreciate what we do. So thank you for all the feedback you give us. Saying that you appreciate it—it it means a lot to us. Yeah, um, it builds my self-worth.
2: <laughs> That's the outside-in approach. Dang it!
0: <laughs> doing it wrong. Again. You're
2: you're you're not wrong. You're great.
0: All right. Hope everybody has a great day out there.